0: Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people who know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. All right, well, good morning. How are we this morning? Good, all right. Well, hey, some of you are not on vacation anymore. You made it back, and you're alive and you're alert. Everybody good? Good. All right, good. It's good to see you this morning. For those of you worshiping online, we're thankful for you. Thank you for tuning in this morning as we continue our series in the book of Nehemiah. All in, all in with God, all in with one another, all in for our community and the world. And it's been a great ride. We only have a couple couple more weeks left, so uh, don't don't be afraid. We've only had a couple more weeks left in Nehemiah, and then we're going to jump into a new series. I'm excited about that on the other side of Easter. Now... Um, In 1989, our country was changed forever. Anyone know what happened in 1989? Young people, it was not Taylor Swift. What happened in 1989? The Berlin Wall, that's an important thing, yes. The GPS system hit the market. Far less dramatic than the Berlin Wall. It was a huge thing though, right? I mean, I want you to think about it, right? The GPS system hits the market in 1989. It takes the market by storm. Now GPS systems... Uh, literally come um, in just about every other car so just 30 years later now if you go and you purchase a vehicle chances are it's going to have a navigation system in it and we can thank 1989 for that it's it's almost one of those things where I I don't know that anybody really uses a traditional map anymore does anybody use a traditional map we got a handful of those people I see y'all man this is like a traditional map group right here yeah that's awesome That's awesome. Well, knowing this, here, 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 let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever plugged into your GPS a particular destination uh, only to find yourself completely lost? How many of you guys have done that? I'm with you. I know I've done that too. It's like I, I plug it into the GPS thinking it's gonna get me to the right place. And all of a sudden I show up and I realize, wait a minute, this is not the right address. How did I end up here? How did I end up lost as a goose? Well, guess what? The good news is this morning is we're not alone. Okay, we are not alone. Israel has experienced something very similar to that, uh, right? Oftentimes in the Christian life, we find ourselves in the same boat, right? We say yes to the gospel. Last week, we talked about what does it mean to be all in, with God, And we simply just said, to be all in with God means we've got to say yes by believing the gospel. That's how we take our first step to be all in. And we choose to be all in with God. Somewhere down the road, we end up taking a turn and we end up out in the woods going, how in the world did we get here? How did we get here? Well, like I mentioned a minute ago, Israel is in a very similar place. God's people in Jerusalem um, over and over and over again, start off well, right? They take that step, we're all in with God, but then somewhere down the road, they end up in the ditch going, how in the world did I get here? Thankfully, what you're gonna see this morning is they heard, you know that word on there, that, that phrase the GPS says, redirecting, redirecting, redirecting. That thing you wish you could turn off, because you're like, I know where I'm going. Well, thankfully, they heed that warning And they end up realigning themselves with God. And they're going to do that through a major covenant. And there's going to be three parts to this covenant. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. So they make a covenant with the Lord to recalibrate, to realign their hearts with His and His direction for their life. So if you have a Bible, I hope you do, go ahead and turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 10. We're going to be in Nehemiah 10 this morning. Now, as you're turning there, I want to give you a little bit of context this morning. We can't cover all of chapter 10. There are far too many names that I cannot pronounce, so we're not going to cover that again. I did that in chapter 3. We're not doing that again. Uh, So verses 1 through 27, they list all of the leaders who were responsible for leading the people to the covenant, to sign the covenant, okay? And then in verses 28 through 30, they describe their covenant uh, I'm sorry, they described the covenant to return to God's word in pursuit of holiness. So that's what's happening as we pick up in verse 31. So that's what we're starting is verse 31. Look with me there. The text says, And if the peoples of the land bring in goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. And we will forgo the crops of the seventh year in the exaction of every debt." Verse 32, we will also take on ourselves the obligation to give yearly a third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. For the showbread, the regular grain offering, the regular burnt offering, the Sabbaths, the new moons and the appointed feasts, the holy things and the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel and for all of the work of the house of our God. We the priests, the Levites and the people have likewise cast lots for the wood offering. To bring it into the house of our God according to our fathers' houses, and at times appointed year by year to burn on the altar of the Lord our God as it is written in the law. We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all of the fruit of every tree, year by year to the house of the Lord, also to bring to the house of God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, the firstborn of our sons and our cattle, as it is written in the law. And the firstborn of our herds and of our flocks, and to bring the first of our dough and our contributions to the fruit of every tree, the wine and the oil to the priests, to the chambers of the house of our God, and to bring the Levites the tithes from our ground. For it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all of our towns where we labor, and the priest, the son of Aaron, they shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive the tithes. And then the Levites shall bring up their tithe of the tithes to the house of our God, to the chambers of the storehouse. For the people of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of grain, of wine and oil to the chambers where the vessels of the sanctuary are, as well as the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and singers. We will not neglect the house of our Lord. So what I want you to see this morning is that Israel had gotten off path, so to speak three specific ways. You'll see that they abandoned God's word. And then because of that, flows points two and three, which is that they had failed to remember the Sabbath. And then thirdly, they disregarded God's work on earth. Now, thankfully, again, as I mentioned before, they they heard that redirecting, redirecting, and they began to recalibrate their life, recalibrate their hearts and their minds to get back on path with God. And they do that in a major covenant that has three sections. The first one is this. Here's what they covenanted. They covenanted to return to God's word. That's the first one. The second one is, is they covenanted to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. And then thirdly, they covenanted to support God's work on Earth. Now, for the sake of our time and to not be repetitive, as you know, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, I did a whole sermon on the fact that we need to return our hearts and our minds back to the word, right? That the word of God must be central to everything we do, everything we say, the way we think. It is the foundation for all that we do and all that we believe and how we act on the earth, right? That is is central to who we are. And so what I wanna focus on this morning is the latter two. Because in the latter two points, so the covenant to remember the Sabbath and the covenant to support God's work, in those, I think we find the key to how we can adopt healthy and sustainable rhythms for our lives that keep us on course with God, okay? Everybody with me? Everybody with me? It can't just be two people who are tracking with me. All right, all right, good, everybody's with me, okay. So in a recent article by Time magazine it was backed up by the Guardian authors uh, Elizabeth Harris and Penny Haslam they argue this, this is really interesting that time and money have become the most valued commodities among American adults Time and money have become the most valued commodities among American adults. Now maybe you found yourself saying this, this, or this, this phrase, I just don't have enough time. Or I wish I had enough time for that. Or maybe the, you've, you've murmured the often quoted phrase, there's just not enough time during the day. I think the same is true when it comes to our finances. I just wish I had more money, because if I had more money, I would be less stressed out. I wouldn't have to be worried about all of these things, but I think inherently what we all know to be true is that we will never have enough time to accomplish all the things that we wanna accomplish, will we? No. And guess what else? We're never gonna have enough money in the bank to cover all the things that we wanna do, to pay for all the things that we want to do. And so because of this, here's what often happens. You with me? Here's what often happens. Life gets all of our time and it gets all of our resources. And then God is left with the leftovers, which, by the way, is not honoring to him. It's not healthy or sustainable for you. And it communicates to God that at the end of the day, we're really not all in. We're really not all in. Because if those are the two most valued commodities, and those are the two things that we're less likely to give to God, that communicates to him. Well, maybe we're just not all in okay, so all that being said, here's the question that I want to ask this morning that I want you to track with me on. Okay, how do we adopt healthy and sustainable rhythms of life with our time and our finances so that we can stay on track with God and His design for our lives? Okay, so that's what that's the question we're going to answer, and I've got two points for you. Listen to that, man. We started out with five points, week one, we're all the way down, we're whittling down to two points. So for my note takers, you are welcome, okay? Number one, you ready? Here's how we do that. Number one is we have got to prioritize God with our time. We've got to prioritize God in our time. You know, I think there's a reason that in the Ten Commandments, God commanded the people of Israel to remember the Sabbath. Anyone know why? Super easy. Because you need it. We need it. We need to take time for Sabbath. And just so we're all on the same page, Sabbath just simply means rest. You and I in the busy culture that we live in, we need rest, we need rest. And I find it crazy enough that God sets the precedent for rest in the creation narrative. Maybe you recall Genesis two chapter one, it says this, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all of the host of them, and on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day, and all the, his work that he had done. And so God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy, because on it God rested from all of the work that he had done in all of creation. So in six days, God creates the world and everything in it. He fills the depths of the sea, creates all of these amazing creatures in the ocean. But not only that, he fills the land with vegetation, uh, creates humankind, all of these things. And, and then suddenly, God takes a day to rest. He takes a day to rest. Does anybody find that strange that the God of the universe, the very one in whom created the world and everything in it, Rested? I know I find that to be a little bit strange, but then I also find myself thinking, if it was good enough for God, then certainly it is good enough for you and me today. We need rest. But here's a thought, I want you to track with me on this. Here's a thought. What does it mean to actually rest? What does it mean to rest? Today it seems that this concept of rest has been hijacked by this belief that lounging on the couch is rest. Right, Binging Netflix is rest. Sleeping in on Saturday or Sunday morning, maybe that's rest. Or maybe it's even taking a vacation. But how many of you can, can relate with me on this, that, that on days when I find myself sleeping in, I'm almost more tired in the day? Right? Or maybe, and maybe even some of you on this particular week can say this, I need a vacation for my Vacation, yes, we say that all the time. Why? Why do we say that? Because those are some good things in our life and they offer some great benefit, but they are not rest. They're not rest. See, the biblical concept of rest is not sleep, it's not vacations, it's certainly not binging Netflix, it's taking time to slow down long enough to reflect on God. To remember who he is his goodness his grace and his faithfulness to you and to me it's simply allowing ourselves to take time to identify those things in our lives that align our hearts with God for some of us it may be getting out in nature and seeing beautiful mountains right there's just something that going out into nature and seeing beautiful mountains just does to your heart doesn't it Amen, that's right. Or maybe for some of us, it's, it's getting away and, and being on a white sandy beach and seeing the sun, seeing the sun set over the, the ocean. Man, that just does something good for your heart. Maybe for others of us in the room, that's just being with some really, really good friends and eating good food and just spending good quality time with, with people that you love and you care about. I know it's not family. Did y'all get it? It's funny. That's funny. But, but, but maybe for, for others of you, it's just good old fashioned hard work. You know, I, I know yesterday, yesterday was a beautiful day. And so Jordan and I and the kids, we got out and we worked from sunup to sundown in the yard. It was just a beautiful day. And man, it did my soul good to see 18 bags of leaves bagged. It's like I was subduing and conquering the earth. You know, as I was just bagging up all those leaves, it does my heart good. It just aligns my heart with God, even something as simple as that, you know. And so we need to take time to simply rest, slow down long enough to take a deep breath and experience God in the everyday stuff of life. You know, crazy enough, even Jesus did this, right? It was not unfamiliar for Jesus to to get away from the crowds, to get away from friends, to spend time with God, recalibrating, realigning his heart with his Father. And so maybe this morning you're asking me, okay, Logan, well, how how do I do that? What does that practically look in my life? Well, here's what I would recommend. Here's my challenge for you, okay? I propose that we adopt a rule for life, now, there's been a whole lot of authors who have written on this, Dallas Willard being one of them. Um, John Mark Comer is, is a contemporary of him, and he's, he's written a book, the, Rel- the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and it's, it's a great book as well. Uh, but in it, they argue that we need to have, at least, at the very least, an hour a day, a day a week, in a week per year where we just focus our hearts on seeking God, experiencing Him, and resting in His grace. I'll just repeat that again an hour a day a day a week and a week per year for us to just simply get away take a deep breath and allow our hearts to be recalibrated with God and his direction for our lives now here's the deal here's the deal this is the catch it seems great but if you don't calendar it in you're not going to do it And so I challenge you, man, put it in your calendar. Mark it in your calendar. This is the day in which I am going to rest. This is the day I'm going to rest. This is the week where I'm going to get away. And maybe that is that vacation or or whatever that may look like. But but through that vacation, I am going to focus my heart on realigning my heart with God's. Okay, so that's point number one. We need to prioritize God in our time. Number two, y'all ready for this? Nobody likes talking about it. We're going to talk about money. Number two, we need to prioritize God's work in our finances. we got to prioritize God's work in our finances. I want you to notice something. Nehemiah chapter 10, two-thirds of what we just read was about finances. It was about our money. And this is not a weird concept to God. It's a weird concept for us, but for whatever reason, it's not a weird concept for God. So two-thirds of that text deals with their covenant to financially care for the ministry of God on earth. And yet, here's what I want you to see, something. I think this is incredibly important that you guys need to focus on. Six times when referring to giving to the Lord, the text says first, or first fruits, or firstborn, And I think that's because it's God's design for his people that they would make him their first priority, yes, even with our finances. He needs to be first, so whether that be the first fruits of their ground, first fruits from their paycheck, right? First sell of, uh, of that cow or whatever it may be, right? God's design is that everything we do, he would receive that which was or is first. He's designed it that way, why? So that he is the priority in our lives. Now, unfortunately, like time, we as the church, so meaning church universal, right? But also, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that we are in the same boat. Our church, First Baptist Belton is in the same boat. We have developed a significant problem. You know what that problem is? That problem is, is that we live with an upside down pyramid approach to giving. An upside down pyramid approach to giving. Now here's what I mean by that. When it comes to our finances, rather than giving to God first, we may have all the intent to give, but instead of giving him first, we pay our bills. So we gotta pay that car note. We gotta pay our mortgage. We gotta put food on the table, right? There's a lot of things that we have to do, and if we don't do them, we end up what? We end up in trouble. And so what we end up doing is we make those priority. But here's what happens. When those are priority, we save the rest for God, only you know as well as I do that when we do that, very rarely is there anything left for us to give. And so we live with an upside-down pyramid to our giving. And listen, let's just be real and open, open and honest, because I think this is helpful. This is not a sustainable pace for your life. Living your life like that is not healthy, and it's not glorifying to God. It's just not. It's not. Now, there <laughs> there are a couple of things that I want us to remember when we start talking about finances and the priority uh, that that God needs to have with our money. Okay, you ready? First is this. The reason why money is a no-no in the church is not because it's wrong. It's not wrong to talk about money. We talk about money all the time, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. We talk about money all the time, right? So it's not that it's a no-no. It's because for many folks in the room, money is an idol, Money's an idol. It just is what it is. See, money has the power of a false sense of security and a false peace that allows us to maintain a particular image or appearance. And so when we start talking about money, a lot of folks will get uncomfortable. Maybe you can even feel your blood pressure rising right now. Yeah? There's a handful of people. The people are laughing. Are y'all the one? Is the blood pressure rising? Yeah, well, the reason why it does that is because it's an idol in your life. See, God is the one who provides the security in your life. God is the one who should be providing the peace in your life, not money, not money. And so everyone gets uncomfortable, gets a little bit upset, but here's the deal, and I want you to hear this. I love you, so I'm going to tell you the truth. The folks who are the most uncomfortable or the most upset in the room are those who are not financially committed to God's work on the earth. It's true. It's not conjecture, that's just true. The most, the the folks in the room who are the most upset are oftentimes the folks who are less invested in the ministry of the church. Now, that's the first thing that I want to tell you. The second thing is this, I want us to remember this. Okay, God does not need your money. God doesn't need it. He just doesn't. God does not need your money. He is going to carry his will, carry on his will with or without us. Okay? God didn't need Israel's money to maintain his work in Jerusalem. In fact, I want you to remember this. Who built the wall? My son said, Jesus, amen, bud. <laughs> That's right. Jesus built the wall. But where did that income come from? Did it come from the people? No, it came from King Artaxerxes. God will even use that of his enemy's finances to accomplish his purpose. He doesn't need our money. He doesn't need it. The reason why he desires that we give is so that we can be aligned with Matthew 6, 21. Y'all remember that verse? It's a good one. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't know if you know this or not, but our finances are a window into our heart of what we truly value most. If it is God, then we will be generous with our finances. If it is not, then we will hoard it for ourselves. God's desire for us to be generous with our finances is him graciously aligning our hearts with his and aligning our hearts with his mission to see all of the world become reconciled to him. Man, what a gift, what a gracious gift, what a gracious invitation that God has given us to be a part of his reconciling ministry on this earth to reconcile the world to himself. I can think of no greater cause to give my money to. By the way, I want you to know this too. It's incredibly important for us to be reminded this morning that when we give to the church, we're not just giving to salaries and a building. I hear that all the time. But you know what? Even if it were, it would be worth it. And here's the reason, because the people that we're given to are the people who love you, They're the people who care about you, They're the people who, when you're sick and you're in the hospital, they're going to come visit you, right? They're going to work hard to see that your kids and your grandkids come to know Jesus, that they're developed, and that they're sent out to reach their friends. I can promise you, your money is not wasted on them. They love you. They care for you. When it comes to the building, just so you know, the building is not just a building. I hear that all the time, too. Well, it's just a building. I don't want to pay for lights and all this kind of stuff. But you know what? It's necessary for kingdom work. See this building is a hub for ministry. It's a place where people are going to come to know Jesus. It's a place where they can be trained and raised to love God and to love people. It's a place where they're going to be sent out where they can reach the nations right? This building represents a hub where people can gather and we can worship the Lord. I can think of no better place for us to gather and to sing like we just did a minute ago. Did that not do something to your heart? Does that not do something to your life? This is not just a building, it's a place where you and I get to come and we can worship the Lord together, where we can be formed and we can be sent out to reach our neighbors, to reach our friends, to reach our community, and to reach the world, Okay, so when we give, we are giving to eternal kingdom impact. Here's some other things. I want you to know this too. When we give our money to God, he uses that to see kids and students of all ages come to know Christ, raised to follow him. When we give, our money goes to see that people find hope in Christ and prison cells. Do you know that? We, when you give, your money is going to, to help people find hope in prison cells. How awesome is that? It's incredible. Right? When you give, your money is going to see that people find hope in pregnancy centers. And by the way, one of our members has shared the gospel over the last couple of weeks and had two people come to know Christ in the pregnancy centers. Yeah. Praise God for that. That's your money at work. How awesome is that? Right? So pregnancy centers, by the way, your money, when you give to this church, it's going to see uh, people on the street equipped to live in, in, in the world. Right, to come to know Christ and 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 be taken care of, to find jobs and and become a healthy, sustainable member of society. How awesome is that? It's amazing. Our money goes to support Christian organizations in our community like BCYC, Hope for the Hungry, Helping Hands, Body of Christ Clinic. If you don't know what those are, I would encourage you to Google them. It's amazing what your money goes to. It's incredible. Right? That's not even to mention the 12 missionaries. Let me repeat that. Twelve missionaries all across the globe, who are seeing people to come to know Christ, who are being baptized and sent out to reach their families and their friends and their neighbors and their communities. How incredible is that? 12 missionaries. That doesn't even include the giving that goes to our Sega, which is the unreached people group, right? How awesome. Sega. Not only that, but we give to the cooperative program, so when you give, part of of what you give goes to the cooperative program, which then funds the International Mission Board, which is the greatest missionary organization in all of the world. We can argue that all day, but it's true. It's incredible what your funds and what our money goes to. It's incredible. People are being reached with the gospel because of what you and I give. And so we need to be reminded this morning that every dollar that we give to the Lord is used to make a significant impact in the world. But I don't want you to miss this point. Yes, it is making a significant impact in the world, in our community. But you know what else? It makes a significant impact in you. When you give it is recalibrating your heart and your mind with what god is doing in our church in the community and around the world it is making an impact in your life please don't miss that don't forsake that and i want you to know something because this is also this is incredibly important as well i'm not a fundraiser i'm not i I don't care to be a fundraiser, I will never be a fundraiser. There's nothing in my job description that says, hey, raise funds in the church. That is not my job. I have no intent on doing that, but here is what my job is to do. You ready? My job is to care for your souls. That's what God has called me to do, and so one day I'm going to have to stand before Jesus and I'm going to have to give an account for your soul. And that's something that I do not take lightly. And listen to me if you are not prioritizing God with your time and your finances your soul is not healthy it's not healthy there's something wrong there's something there's a wire crossed something's not right and so I'm begging you I'm pleading with you to rethink your life, to flip that paradigm shift, uh, that, that pyramid, shift it upside down or right side up. Allow God to be the priority in your life. Listen, I can tell you this. Here's my promise to you. Here's my promise to you. When you do that, I can promise you that you will have everything you need. And that might not mean that you're, you're driving the Benz that you've, that you've always wanted or that Mercedes, whatever it is. It may not mean that you have that million dollar home that you would long to have, or even that retirement plan that you hope to have when you retire. But I can tell you this, you will always have exactly what you need. Amen. So here's how I'm gonna conclude. Final thought, our lives will be far richer, far deeper, and far more blessed when we prioritize God in our finances and our time. I can tell you this, I've never met someone who honors God with these two things and has ever regretted it. I've just never met that person. I'm waiting for him, but I've never met that person. And so if you're out in the woods somewhere, if you feel like, gosh, my life is a mess, I feel like I'm in the ditch, I feel like I'm out in the woods, well, it's probably because you're not prioritizing God with the things that you value most. And so again, my, my pleading with you this morning, my contention with you this morning, my hope for you this morning is that you would take a hard look what's going on in my soul is it right with the lord how do i need to recalibrate to get in line with what he is calling me to okay all right well here's what i want to do i want to move to our time of prayer okay so every head bowed every eye closed here's what we're going to do we're just going to go to the lord together we're going to spend some time in prayer with one another To take a couple of deep breaths yes pastor talked about money today it's okay let your blood pressure come down and here's what i want you to do i want you to ask god i want you to say god reveal any areas of my life where i have failed to prioritize you with my time and my money that if these articles are true that if time and, and money are, are, are the most valuable commodities on earth American adults, if that's true, well then God, I I ask that you would just help me to see where I have failed to prioritize you. And you know, maybe there's some other areas of your life where you've just failed to prioritize God. And ask him to reveal those things too. Maybe it's just your time with him. Maybe it's spending time in his word. Maybe it's spending time with your family. And then secondly, I just want you to confess. Confess just simply means to agree. Agree with God about whatever he lays on your heart. So whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in your heart, if he's he's working in your heart, man, just confess that to him. Agree with him. He already knows it. So you're just simply agreeing with him of what he already knows. And then number three, just reiterate your desire to be all in with him. Say, God, I, I want to be all in with you. I want to be all in with you. And that means all, all of me, all that I have, my giftings, my time, my talents, my treasure, all that I have, God, I just want to give to you. I want to be all in with you. And, and maybe that's the first time. It's the first time where you're making that covenant, you're making that commitment. Say, God, I want to develop healthy and sustainable rhythms for my life where where I am on the path that's that's your will for my life that's good and perfect and right. And lastly, I want you just to covenant to prioritizing him with your time and with your finances this morning. Say, God, I'm just, I'm going to prioritize you. I know it might be scary. I know there might be some things of, gosh, well, how am I going to do all of this? Don't worry about all that stuff. He's going to take care of it. Express those fears. Express express that anxiety and just say, God, like we sang earlier, I just want to trust you. That you are my rock and that you are my shield and that you're going to take care of everything that I need. worship team, if you guys would go ahead and come on up, I'll close us in prayer. God, we love you. God, we're thankful for you. Lord, over this last 11 weeks or so, God, we have just been coming before you asking, God, that you would call us to be all in. And God, that we would live in obedience to that calling. And in order for us to be all in, God, sometimes that means that we have to have some hard conversations we have to ask hard things of ourselves. And so, Father, I just pray that, that our church would be a church that transcends other churches where you, you, you see the giving is incredibly low. You see volunteering is, is incredibly low. But, God, I pray that we would, we would have so many people who are actively involved in your ministry, your ministerial work on this earth. Now that I pray that, that there would be other churches to go, how in the world are they doing that? And you know what would would be awesome is, God, our our answer with that would be, because we're all in with God. How can we not? How can we not? So Father, please call us to be all in. God, I pray that you would remove fears, anxiety, anger, bitterness. Maybe some of us have been hurt by the church. God, I pray that you would just cover those with your grace. God, just call us to be all in. Help us to to be reminded, God, that you're going to take care of us when we prioritize you first. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.